When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, certified executive coach, emotional intelligence meta coach, leadership speaker, and facilitator, Don Angelo Bivens. Hey, what you drink? Where does this courage come from? Let me let me define courage a little bit because I I, I believe that leadership at its essence is courage. And the way I define courage is the willingness to do what you believe is right, regardless of the personal sacrifice. And for me, bringing this back to leadership, I've said so many times that every success and every failure begins and ends with leadership. I could say that every success and every failure begins and ends with courage. Mm -hmm. And when you see a failure, it's usually because someone is unwilling to do what they believe is right because of a personal sacrifice. And I just sense a lot of courage in you that you aren't afraid, as, as your last example demonstrates, you're, you're not afraid to put it on the line in pursuit of what's right for your client. Where does that come from? Because that's not something that most people have day one. You know, I've always been a mouthy kid. And... I've always spoke my truth, understanding that it is not the truth. And for a long time, I used to allow people to say things and do things to me and used to sit in the background and watch people say and or do things to others and be complicit in the actions or in their word choice and how it had impact on me and or others. And I happened to be a gay black man. And when I came out of the closet 15 years ago, I said to myself that I would not allow others to shame me or to shame anyone else. And I was willing to stand for others the way that they would not be willing to stand for themselves. And so I now just speak. I don't even think about it. My mother will say to me sometimes, she will tell me something that's happening in the family. And I will say, well, what about this? What about that? Nobody said anything about this? And she will say, mind your own damn business. And I will say, guess what? It is my business. It's my family. And this is symbolic of what happens in, in families, in communities, in our global society, this human society we have. People are not willing to speak up when they see 
that people are being negatively impacted by others. And in some cases, people are not willing to stand for themselves because they don't feel safe to do so. And they're not psychologically safe, right? In some cases, people might actually not be physically safe to do that. But in a lot of cases, people are not psychologically safe. And I choose to own that for myself. I choose to not allow people to influence me and do harm in some cases that they don't even know that they're doing because it's a natural act for them to be assholes. I'm I'm an asshole too, but I'm self-aware of my assholeness and how it impacts people. And I know that sometimes I say things or do things that create harm, but I have such self-awareness that You know, I'm willing, if I don't recognize it in the moment, I'm willing to go and have that conversation with someone and say, this is what I believe I experience after the fact. Let me own that. So instead of assuming what the impact is and just saying, I'm sorry, share with me what it is that I did and how it impacted you. So I can truly be responsible for it. Because saying, I apologize, or I'm sorry, that doesn't do anything, to be honest. If you really want to be apologetic, ask about the impact and then own that. So my point is, I'm just not willing to sit silently anymore and be complicit with the mess that is happening around me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's strong. That's strong. We had a conversation at the very end of season one, and uh, I was talking with a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, Ms. Shana Hammond, and she was talking about the journey to coming to know who you are, the journey to embracing the fullness of you ha- of of who you are. And then being willing to dance in the moment of whatever it is that you're that you're in, but having the courage to to just dance, not necessarily knowing where this is going to go. And that is one of the things all the time, all all the time that I was talking with her, uh, I was thinking about conversations that you and I have had, you know, very early in my choosing coaching. And you were saying pretty much the same thing, just having having the courage to go into this unknown, knowing that you can get back to wherever you need to go. Talk a little bit about what has that journey been like for you? I know that you say that you were always a mouthy kid, but everyone goes on this journey of coming to the fullness of who they are and understanding their superpowers. Even with my conversation with another acquaintance, uh, Rada, she talked about how when she first understood her uh, her powers, she didn't always use them for good. <laughs> she just she just had them, and she's like, "Okay, we're gonna make this happen." And you know, it might hurt some folks, but hey. So, wh- what was the journey for you in understanding your superpowers and deciding how to use them for good? So, I always knew I had the power of listening from a young age, but I was uncertain of myself. And I was shamed a lot as a child about the possibility of being gay when I didn't even know what gay was. And I lost friends 
right? I remember being in high school and there being two young men who I was close friends with, we would hang out a lot, who came to me at, on my birthday and said, we can't hang out with you because people are now thinking that we're gay because we're hanging out with you. But at that time, it was, I mean, it was traumatic for me. And so I did all that I can do to have this image of being a heterosexual male, you know, ensuring that I was walking right and that my speech was correct and, you know, my hands weren't flailing when I speak and all these things, working on the way that I speak and it was a hot mess. And I went through my adult life that way or my young adult life. And my stepmother, uh, my father's first wife, who happens to be a multimillionaire many times over, uh, I was moving to Lake Tahoe to work for Harris Entertainment and Human Resources. And I asked her to teach me how to make money because I come from a very blue collar family. I was the first to go to school. And she said, sure, Don Angel, I'm happy to do that. Let me think about how I can do that. She said, I want you to read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I was young, naive, and what I would have defined as also arrogant, but arrogance in a negative connotation. So I did not read the book. I moved to Lake Tahoe. After being there for a year, I was downsized, low man on totem pole, called my brother Diallo the moment I found out, said, I'm moving to New York City. I said, what are you talking about? I'm moving in with you. I wasn't clear. <laughs> he said, uh, okay, thank God I just moved into a two bedroom, right? So I drove across country for a week. I was working at New York City's Health and Hospitals Corporation, large, second largest municipally owned healthcare system in the nation, Veterans Administration being number one. I was working for this one by the name of Lorray Brown. Amazing, brilliant black woman. At the time noted as one of the most influential leaders in healthcare in the world at the time. But I was unhappy. Love Lorraine, love my coworkers, but I was unhappy. So I picked up the book. I read it, called Virginia on a Saturday morning. We talked for two hours till the longest conversation we have ever had. End of that conversation, she said, Don Angelo, you are the problem. Okay, you are in your own way. Not sure what that meant. So I need for you to take a course. That course was called EST stood for Earhart Systems Training. I said, okay, call me when you're done. Okay, Mama Little, I'll, I'll do that. Hung up the phone, looked it up, all kinds of negative publicity about it, all kinds. No need to go in depth about that. People want to know, they can research it. Went in the kitchen, talked to my brother, said, you will never believe what she has told me to do. He said, what, told him? He was like, no, nah, dog, don't do that. Don't do that. I was like, you're right. I'm not doing it. But in my life, you know, second time she's giving me assignment. Right. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> so it was a moment in my life that is very similar to you seeing a vehicle that you want. And the next thing you know, you are seeing that vehicle everywhere. I began to meet people randomly who had done this thing called landmark education. S was sold to employees. Now it's called Landmark. Was meeting people for a long time, about a good nine months. Went to my friend Brian and Lisa's networking event in Chelsea, New York City, November 2006. 
went to that party. Lisa, unbeknownst to me, had done this thing called Landmark. She wants to talk about it. I'm not there to talk about no Landmark. I'm here to have some drinks, meet some good people, have a good time, and go home. So I tell Lisa, I want to talk about that. She then introduced me to 10 people throughout the evening. So she did not listen, obviously. I'm a man of faith. And I said, you know what? God, I got it. It's clear. Literally, my, my brother at the time was dating a young lady who worked at Landmark. She called me within 48 hours, hadn't known that I'd been to this party. And this time I gave her the space and breath to say what she needs to say. I figure I spent five, $600 on a pair of shoes. Let me figure out what this is about. I went. January 2007, I started my own executive search firm, an HR consulting firm. February 7, 2007, was the very first day of what's called the Landmark Forum. To this day, it is the best thing that I have ever done for my life. And I say that because I would not be sitting here with you if that would not have happened. Met a young man by the name of Rick in my course, right? People getting to know people, you don't know who you're sitting next to. Rick happened to be a CEO. He invited me to his office when I told him about my consulting firm, invited me to his office to talk about what it is I was doing. I walked out as his coach. He trusted me because of the work that I was doing alongside him. I credit him for also introducing me to this world. So I didn't come into this world knowingly, this coaching world. This happened by (laughs) the Lord's ordinance. I'm clear about that. And I give him gratitude always for that. And so in this work that I discover, or actually I did not discover, I was exposed to, has led me to doing many other similar forms of work that has made me consistently beat my head against the ground so that it would split open to discover what it is I didn't know that I didn't know. And to be responsible for the world that I wanted, but I was not willing to sacrifice certain things in my life to have that, right? And so it has reaffirmed for me over and over again that work and others that I cannot be one who is willing to rob people of knowing me as I am and as I am not. And so I choose to be me always. And if that rubs you the wrong way, I'm okay with that. And if you want to know more with me, because I've rubbed you the wrong way, be curious. I'm always open to conversation. The moment you come to me, and you make accusations about me, and you don't even know me, or in some cases you do, but you have these assumptions or expectations based on your experience, that doesn't serve you, doesn't serve me, does not serve our relationship. So let's just have a conversation. That's really what it it comes down to, right? Just the willingness to have true, honest, unprotected conversations that people often get nervous about. And I want to go back to something that you said earlier. You just kind of said it and then you went on to something else. But one of the things you said was that you were already doing coaching and then you signed up for this course with Steven Chandler to get more coaching. And, And then you were working with this other person to get more coaching. I mean, you're a coach, you you are a PCC level coach. And for those who are not 
hip to all of the language and the lingo of, of our profession, that's like professional level. You've been doing this for real for a long time and, and folks regard that. You've said several times that you've gone to get coaching from someone. And I've done that as well. I mean, that's kind of how you and I got to know each other beyond just being students in the same program. Uh, I sought you out for coaching. I've got two coaches. <laughs> what would you say to the to those people that say, hey, look, I don't need a coach. You know, I've gotten to where I am on my own and I don't see the benefit of coaching. What would you say to those people? I would say you're right. You don't need one, right? Nobody needs anything. We choose the things that we want and we go after those. The only things we need are water, shelter, air, clothing, and food. Those are the things that we need, right? So you don't need coaching. However, if you have a longing for something and you are now in your own way, so now I understand what Virginia means, right? If you are in your own way, what are you willing to sacrifice to discover of what the other side of where you are and where it is that you want is? So you have to fill the gap somehow. And that might not be coaching. That might be some additional education. That might be an accountability buddy. That could be a psychotherapist, a therapist, a counselor. I am of the belief that everybody needs somebody to talk to, somebody who has been trained to listen and who is willing to stand for you in a way that you don't even know how to stand for yourself. And so if you don't think you need a coach, so be it. Stay where you are. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, right? It just is what it is. And if you are looking to create something beyond who you know yourself to be, or who you could even fathom who you could be, speak with someone who will listen for you in ways that your family and your friends and your colleagues do not have the capacity to do. You know, the thing that I know about this work is when people come to me, at the very end, they always say, well, this was not exactly what I thought it would be. No, it is not. And my God, the man or the woman or the leader I have become. Thank you. You know, one, one of the, one of the uh, people that you list as being one of your jazz favorites kind of fits this same narrative. And so it doesn't surprise me that you list Nina Simone as being one of your jazz favorites. She went through a bit of a transformation, classically trained as a classical pianist. I mean, just straight up classics, right? And through necessity, she kind of ventured into some other versions of music that would actually pay the bills, right? It was, so necessity brought that on. But towards the end of her life, she was so unapologetically Nina Simone that she, she stopped trying to fit into this mold that classical artists yeah. were supposed to fit into. And when she stepped out of that and stepped into Nina Simone, there was no one else to fit that bill. Uh, you can't even find people to portray her on the movie screen. <laughs> That's how strong of a personality she became. And talk to me about how does how does Nina Simone strike a chord with Don Angelo Bivens? So 
Nina is, I mean, I can't say enough about the woman. Her trials up until her death when she died of breast cancer, she fought all the way through to become the woman that she wanted to be. And so many of us are living lives inside of who it is they, that we think we should be to please others. And I'm not willing to do that. I've had clients who have stopped working with me because I am too truthful with them. Or rather speaking my truth, not that my truth is the truth, but I have no problem pointing things out that might be in your way. And I'm not attached to anything that I say. And Nina, two of her favorites of mine are Cinnamon, which she performed with Miles Davis. That's the top right there. I mean, that, I mean, you can't get much higher than that in my right. book. And then feeling good. That feeling good, I mean, I'm just, I'm not willing to allow my life and my leadership the things that I want from myself and those around me to be dictated by the assumptions and or expectations of those who truly don't give a fuck. And they wouldn't know how to take care of you if they did. The mouths and minds that really matter are those who are interested instead of being interesting, right? My mother, I've actually had to train how to be with me. My father has always ask questions. Some of my siblings, I've had to train how to be with me. And they're always training me how to be with them. And so Nina is just, she's just Nina. And I just choose to be Don Angelo. Not Don, not D'Angelo, Don Angelo. And I'm not going to let somebody else or some system to tell me that I'm not supposed to be me. I love it. Hey, hey, one, one, one of the things that I mentioned, I think at the top of the conversation is that you are frequently in my mind uh, as I do this coaching work. And one of the reasons why is because my entire coaching business model and name was kind of birthed with you coaching me through a process we were working on together, where I don't know if you even remember, but you were asking me to describe the place that I believe that I hold in this world with clients, with you know, not with clients, just in, in, in general. And I described and had to draw that I felt like my responsibility was to be a kiln, an, an oven where people bring to me these things that they either prize, these things that they're trying to change. And it's my job to either melt those things so that they can mold it into a more desirable space or to bake them into permanence so that they can have usefulness out of them. And it, I'm indifferent as to what those things are. It's my job to make them permanent for my clients. And from that, the name of my company was born, Kill Global Coaching and yeah. Consulting. So you, you are, every time I talk to someone or share the name of my company, I, I'm reflecting back on the conversation we had where I got to the essence of what I believe 
not only the role of coaches, not only what that role is, I believe, of coaches, but what my role is in this world. God created me and gave me the ability to help people change from who they are to who they want to be. You know, I just, again, I think of you every time I, I have to explain what that, what the name of this crazy name for a company might be. What's your reaction? What's your reaction to to hearing people say that you've had a lasting impact and that you're constantly in their mind? So it's interesting, right? So I think I shared with you, I'm writing my first book. And even before writing that book, my vision for my life, and I'm 45, right? has really only come to me at the age of 40, maybe 41. And that is to be in the minds, hearts, and mouths of millions of leaders around the globe so that they can be authentically themselves and lead in ways that unordinarily would not be possible or ordinarily would not be possible. And to hear you say that, but also my clients are frequently coming back to me and saying, you know, I was having this conversation the other day and, you know, I was asking myself, what would Don Angelo ask me or what would he do or say in this moment? It makes my heart smile. I am overwhelmingly grateful for the work that I get to do and the impact that it has on humanity. And I have no idea where that ripple will end. No idea. I mean, you know, I'm, my, my eyes are watering up as I think about it, right? It, it makes me melt, right? And therefore, we have the, the goddamn kill, <laughs> you know? Boy, this has been a great conversation. As This is probably a good place to end for now. But I, I just, again, I want to raise my glass to you and not only toast uh, your courage, not only toast your expertise in coaching and training and development, but just toast to Don Angelo and your willingness to be Don Angelo, because I firmly believe that there is no one else on the planet courageous enough, crazy enough, and open enough to be Don Angelo but you. So I'm so glad you're doing it. <laughs> so with that, man, until next time. Cheers, brother. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.